You're listening to WNYU 89.1 FM. I'm WNYU's program director, Kelly Drake. Here's a news update from our news department and NYU Local. As case counts for COVID-19 continue to rise, medical professionals are warning that nearly everyone will eventually know someone affected by the virus. Not even we at WNYU are safe. As one of our own staff, Jonathan Schlatzberg, has tested positive after studying abroad in Spain. Arya Tusi spoke to him about this experience. Hey, Jonathan. Uh, how you doing? How you feeling? Hey, uh, I'm alive. <laughs> That's all I can say. What's the situation right now? Yeah. Uh, so I got tested for COVID-19 on uh, Tuesday, the, I believe, the 10th was, and then I got my results back that Friday, and they came back positive. What did, did you get this test at, at your doctor, or at a hospital, or did you go to one of the drive through sites? Uh, I went to an urgent care center. Okay. Um, now, did you get uh, guidance from, like, your personal doctor after this? Honestly, we've been calling a whole bunch of sources because mm-hmm. everyone says something different. Like, my personal doctor said that he thinks at this point I'm good to go freely in the house. The doctor who tested me at the urgent care center said that she thinks I should wait another few days or even another couple of weeks just to make sure uh, CDC uh, regulations on their website are different from what both of them are saying. So just a lot of opinions, a lot of confusion, but I, th- I think I'm going to stick it out and uh, self-isolation just for a little longer just to be safe. Oh, It's better I, to be safe uh, than sorry, right? Yeah. I was not aware that there was so much variation on the recommendations. Yeah, it was. It's it's just been very confusing because I feel like because I feel like it's so new and people are still figuring out what is going on with this virus, like how it how it might be able to mutate, how it can transfer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there there's still a lot of confusion up in the air regarding that. So I feel like a lot of doctors are using their own experiences with other viruses and mm-hmm. other epidemics. Right. Like like a lot of the guidance I know for corona, for like this coronavirus is based on how other types of coronaviruses uh, react to different stimuli and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, now, now, considering the amount of misinformation that's out there uh, regarding the virus, uh, what do you? Wh- what's your like method for figuring out what's uh, what's the noise and what's actually valid? Um, I've been reading a lot of personal experiences from other people who have tested positive to see how theirs might match up with mine, how they've dealt with it, if they've recovered, then how they've recovered. Uh, if they're still in self-isolation, how they're continuing in self-isolation, if they're asymptomatic after a certain number of weeks, if they're symptomatic for a long period of time. It's just, I I feel like it's a little, it's safer to read like personal experiences of people who actually have it when it comes to like figuring out how to deal with it on a personal level. But in terms of the global scale and how, we're like moving forward with vaccination or 
social distancing on a on an international level, I've been trusting the CDC website. Okay. And you mentioned that you're pretty much asymptomatic at this point, but uh, what were your symptoms like? Can you describe them? And when do you start seeing them? Yeah. So I'm not sure exactly when I got like exposed to the virus because one of my sweet mates in Spain tested positive, but also I've been in airports and museums and just on the street and stuff. So I feel like it's very possible that I could have gotten it from any of those locations. Um, but since coming back from Spain on the 13th, I didn't start feeling symptomatic until a few days after that, I'd say. Uh, but even still, they've been very mild. Like I had a very slight cough, but it wasn't constant. I've had mild headaches and I just started to feel some shortness of breath a few days ago, but it left pretty quickly. But it, it was definitely noticeable uh, that it was similar to the shortness of breath experiences that other people who tested positive have been saying. Now, you mentioned that you were um, studying abroad in Spain and you were coming back from there. Um, what was the customs procedure like for you? Uh, nothing extra. The only the only like influential part of customs coming back into JFK, I'd say that I experienced was just them asking if I had any food from farms in Spain, or if I've run back any elements of livestock from Spain, or if I have memorabilia and such. And I answered standard, standard customs questions. Yeah. Uh, it, which was kind of surprising because I, I was expecting a little more investigative questions mm-hmm. uh, considering the situation. But it, I'd say from the time that I landed to the time that I got out of the terminal, it took like 20 minutes. So you said that you've been in self-isolation. Um, you're at your parents' house, correct? Yes. Okay, so... You and you said that you've been just staying in one room by yourself. Um, how is that for like not not from a functional perspective, just like how how is that for you, like personally? Um, it's is it as bad as mentally, it seems? It's I I wouldn't say it's as bad as it seems, but it's taken a mental toll that I wasn't really expecting. Mm-hmm. Um, I was pretty confident i guess before i like before i came back and and brought my suitcases and my belongings from spain into the basement and like before i just like sat down here i was expecting that i would get bored that i would like miss hugging my family members or i would miss like going outside as often as i used to uh but it's been very draining just not having physical interaction mm-hmm. I guess which I I was expecting a little bit of but after two weeks of not having really any like human interaction it's been a little rough right so uh, how many other people live in your house uh, my mom and my dad and uh, also my sister and my grandma okay and uh, I mean your grandma, I assume she's she's going to be considered part of that 
extra at risk population. Uh, how do you are, are you taking any special steps to protect her or is she doing something to protect herself? Yeah. So like both, both my parents and my grandma are all at risk mm-hmm. because uh, my grandma's had heart complications. She's had two open heart surgeries before uh, and she already has a bit of shortness of breath uh, and uh, she's 85 and my dad is 59 and has asthma uh, and my mom is 57. So they're all within the age range that people are saying is most like dire, I guess, to contract coronavirus. And they all also have uh, problematic immune systems. Mm-hmm. So I've been just trying to stay away as much as I possibly could, which is, which means just staying in the basement and keeping to myself. And uh, when it's time to eat something, my mom has like met me halfway on the stairs wearing a mask and gloves. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if I have to go upstairs for absolutely any reason, I wear a mask and keep my hands in my pockets. Yeah. Well, thanks for talking to me, Jonathan. uh, And I hope you get better soon. Thank you so much. I I hope that your family stays safe and doesn't get awfully bored in isolation. We're thinking about you, Jonathan. Hope you get well soon. With the number of cases growing in the U.S. to top the world's COVID-19 reports, medical staff have been more outspoken about the need for supplies. Access to personal protective gear and ventilators, among other things, is diminishing by the day, and medical workers are looking to the government for answers. Despite the number of patients on ventilators more than doubling in a matter of days, U.S. Surgeon General Dr. Jerome Adams said at a town hall on Thursday, quote, we will not supply our way out of this problem. He urges that, quote, a lot of the capacity that folks are looking for is already out there. It's sitting in hospitals. It's just misaligned. He stressed that we need to continue to uphold social distancing and good hygiene and reiterated the measures the government is taking to secure more testing. The U.S. NS Comfort, a Navy ship providing extra hospital capacity to New York, will arrive in the harbor this Monday, according to President Trump. After the announcement last week that Navy ships would be providing extra space to cities across the country, the proposed timeline was not as promising as some had hoped. The Navy said that the Comfort was scheduled to undergo necessary maintenance and was slated to reach New York roughly three weeks from now. It seems the timeline has accelerated. At the moment, New York State is facing an extreme shortage of hospital beds, staff, and equipment, due in part to the level of the outbreak and funding cuts to state-run medical facilities in the last few years. Yesterday, the Pentagon awarded a $15 million contract to convert the Javits Center into a field hospital in New York City. What is now being called New York Medical Station at the Javits Center is set to open by April 9th, though the president says that things are ahead of schedule. This site will be opened up to patients who test negative for COVID-19 with the goal of freeing up space in hospitals that are more equipped to handle patients with the virus. This relief is temporary, as more field hospitals are being set up in hotels, convention centers, and college dormitories. We will be providing daily news updates that you can catch rebroadcast every hour on the hour here on WNYU from the hours of 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. You can read more about campus news at nyulocal.com. Once again, I'm Kelly Drake, WNYU's program director, and now back to the music.